Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. A couple of things really quickly. Um, you know this, but Grow Groups began this last week. So if you have not gotten in a group, there, it is not too late to get in a group. Don't use the excuse, well, they've already started. I'll catch them you know, in the spring when they come back around. You can get in a group right now, and we're going to keep telling you to get in a group until the day that we die and until, <laughs> or until you get it. Come on, somebody. Um, we, we want you to be in a group. And here's, here's what I would say to you. Um, get on the Church Center app, register for the group you want to be a part of, but don't just sign up, show up. Amen. It's one thing to put your name on a list, it's another thing to actually come. Yeah. I'm just going to pause for a moment for effect. <laughs> it's one thing to put your name on a list and be a number that somebody thinks is coming. It's another thing to actually commit and show up and be a part of what God wants to do in your life through community and being a part of a group. So get in a group. Uh, show up to the group. Um, it's, it's, I really believe it's going to benefit your life. It may be, listen, it may be awkward at first. Come on, it may be awkward at first, but if you're married, the first time y'all, y'all met and you got together, it was awkward too. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't stop you because you liked them. And so for some of us, you just need to like, okay, I'm not going to go one time and make a decision. I'm going to commit and I'm going to go and I'm going to see what God can do in my life as I, as I stay in community together. Um, Impact Youth every Wednesday night. Um, our iKids Grow Groups kicked off this last Wednesday night. We had, uh, it was around 70 people in this building, yeah. birth, or not birth, but two years old, all the way through uh, high school, whether it was in youth ministry or in a kid's classroom being ministered to or whatever, this last Wednesday as we kicked that off. And it was just incredible. I love this about our church, that there's something for everybody. You know, we've got adults gathering in groups all week long, you know, whatever day of the week your group is, or some in the morning, some in the evening, you know, some on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and all these different days. So there's a, there's a spot available for you if you want to be in community. And we love that we have the opportunity to minister to your kids and your teenagers and your middle school students on Wednesday nights. So bring them, bring them here at six o'clock. Uh, we'd love to have them and be able to minister to them in, in kids' grow groups and in student ministry uh, every Wednesday night. Um, 21 days of prayer, we're day, on day 14. This is our last week where we're going to be in 21 days of prayer, where we're going to be intentionally, hopefully you don't stop praying after 21 days of prayer, but where we're intentionally taking time at noon to pause and pray. And tonight we're going to be back here from 6 to 7. We were here last weekend and uh, last Sunday night. And, and had a prayer service, and we were just able to gather together and pray individually and pray for one another, and uh, it was just a great time, worship together, and so we want you to be here tonight, 6 to 7 for that, and then next Sunday night, uh, we end 21 days of prayer by celebrating um, our anniversary as a church, but not only that, we gather together that night, and we have a night of worship, and it's always incredible, the room is always just, I mean, full of, of people praising God, and uh, we love the opportunity to just gather together and lift up the name of Jesus uh, through song, praise, and worship. And so we want you to be here for that next Sunday night. It's going to be a great time uh, next weekend as we celebrate uh, the anniversary of our church turning seven. And I want to pray for another church in the community. And today I want to pray for Chicota Assembly of God. So will you just bow your heads? Let's say a word of prayer for them. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity we have to be in this room. I pray we would never take it for granted that we can 
join together and worship you and hear your word. And Lord, we pray for Chakota Assembly right now that you would, uh, that God, that you would bless them financially, that you would bless them, that your favor would be on them, their pastor, their leadership, their congregation. Lord, as they build your kingdom, that you would, um, that you would push them forward in everything that they do to build your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's jump in. We, we're in a series going through the book of Philippians, and today is going to be uh, part two of that series, chapter two, and I want to encourage you to keep reading a chapter a day. Um, go through the book of Philippians. You can read through it several times if you'll do that, just one chapter a day. It's only four chapters long. You can go through uh, all of that, and, and by the time Sunday rolls are back around, you could have gone through it an entire one time plus another half of a time, and so keep reading that. If you haven't been doing that, jump in now. Don't feel bad and feel like, oh, I missed it. No, you didn't miss it. We're still in the series. Uh, you need to be reading God's Word anyway, uh, so there's no better, no better way to do it than to be in God's Word, even all of us reading the same thing uh, while we're doing this, in this series, because God wants to speak to you through His Word. And we said this last week, Philippians is commonly known as this joy letter that Paul wrote uh, and what we're doing is we're looking at four different areas or situations, however you want to look at it, uh, in our lives where we can have joy in the midst of what we're doing or what we're going through or whatever life holds in that moment or that season. We can have joy in that. And last week we talked about joy and suffering. We said things like even when we face difficulty or pain or things that we don't understand, we can still have joy. And I'm not going to go back through all of that and recap all that. You can check that out on the, on the app, on YouTube, on Facebook, on the podcast, wherever you want to listen or watch. Go back and watch that or listen if you missed it. But today we're going to jump into uh, chapter 2, and I've titled the message today, Joy in Serving. Joy in Serving. Somebody say, Joy in Serving. Come on, say it like you're awake at 1145. Joy in Serving. <laughs> Joy in Serving. All right, so let's start with the first four verses and we'll go through this section by section. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Um. I love how this starts off, and I'm excited about chapter 2, because there's a lot of good stuff in chapter 2, right here, even at the beginning. Uh, some things that Paul has written down that we need to, we need to take notice of. But I, I don't know if you're like me, and you've ever had a, a season of your life, or a moment of your life, or whatever, where, uh, or maybe it's you know, from day to day for you, I don't know, but where you were trying to impress other people. Anybody ever been trying to impress other people? You wanted other people to be impressed by you, or you were living your life to, to make other people happy, uh, to try to get them to like you. Um, maybe you were even living to uh, honestly just please yourself and your own desires and what it is that you wanted. And, and it was all about what you wanted and that was how you lived your life. And it really you didn't really think that much about other people. Uh, you just thought a lot about yourself. Hopefully that's not you today. But um, I think we've all struggled with this and some of us really struggle with this from time to time. Even now as believers, we have this natural tendency to be selfish um, and maybe you would even say, well, I'm not a selfish person. But don't we just have this, this, there's just this thing in us that wants to think of ourselves first. Yeah. We want to take care of ourselves first. We might, not think, we might not say, well, I am a selfish person. And if somebody called you selfish, you would probably get offended at them. But if you were to really stop and think for a moment, you would, you would say, I do have this tendency to 
really think about myself before I think of other people. It's not that I don't think of other people, but I just have this tendency to always want to do what I want to do, and I want to make sure that I'm taken care of before anybody else is. And Paul is once again making this call for unity in the church and among believers or Christians. And then in verses 3 and 4, I think that he gives us a way that we can move into this love and unity together. A way that we can move in this direction. If we're moving in the direction of love, if we're moving in the direction of unity as believers, I think that verses 3 and 4 kind of give us a way to move in that direction. And he says things like, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. He says things like, be humble, value others above yourself, look to the interests of others, not just the interests of yourself. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, and you would probably agree, wouldn't, it, wouldn't us living our lives this way, doing nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing out of vain conceit, humbling ourselves, thinking of others, putting the interests of others above our own, like not being selfish in any of these ways, wouldn't it just be, wouldn't unity just seem to be a byproduct of us living our lives this way? That if we were all doing this and we all had this same goal in mind and we were all heading in the same direction with this, unity would just be this byproduct. It would happen because of the way we're living our lives. And so what is, what is selfish ambition? I love this definition. It says that selfish ambition is focused on you and your wants and desires. It centers on what you can get from a person, place, or thing, or situation. Selfish ambition thinks of your needs, wants, and desires above others and even God. That, that it's you thinking about you and what you want and what you desire and how you can get to where you want to be above thinking of others. It's this, it's this picture in my mind of I'm going to get where I'm going and it doesn't matter who's a casualty along the way. Like I'm ambitious and I'm going to get to the top one way or another and if I have to step on you to get there, that's okay in my eyes because I'm just trying to get where I think. And sometimes it can even be uh, sometimes it can even be places where we think God is calling us to, and we get so ambitious about trying to follow the call of God that we have casualties all around us because we're trying to follow the call of God, but, but it's turned into this selfish thing like, I'm going to get where God wants me to be, and I don't care if you get in my way or not. And I think there's this, there's this beautiful in-between space where we can follow and we can be ambitious in a healthy way and want to be where God wants us to be, but still love people and care for people and bring people along on the journey. Bring people alongside us, with us, because God didn't intend for you to get where you're going by yourself. But many of us would be okay with the process of getting there by ourselves, but God has surrounded you with people to go on this journey with you to get there. So we don't want to have this selfish ambition. And here's the reality, selfish ambition can ruin a church. I mean, it can just ruin a church. When everybody is selfish and everybody's looking out for their own interests and everybody's just trying to get what they want, that will destroy a body. Because we're all just about ourselves and I really don't care. Like, I'll, like I may say that I care about you, but when push comes to shove, I'm going to think about me first before I think about you. And that's not the call. The call is to put the interests of others, to honor other people above ourselves, to put others before ourselves. And when we're only focused on what we want and desire, there's no unity in that. And then the next one he mentions is vain conceit. I love this definition as well. People who are filled with vain conceit pretend that they are better, stronger, and more capable than they really are. This applies to anyone who thinks they have made it on their own without the help of God or other people or opportunities. 
I, I was, when I read that definition, I was immediately thinking about even, you know, for us, this church is a big deal. I mean, we feel like God called us to start this church, but here's what you need to know. We're not this good. Like, there had to be God doing something with our obedience for this thing to actually work. This wasn't like, well, we've got enough skills and we've got enough, you know, like we can speak well enough and we can kind of inspire people well enough and we can do this. No, it was like seven years ago stepping out and it's like, oh, we ain't got no people and we ain't got no money and we have nothing. All we have is obedience, obedience. And God had to do something. God had to show up in the midst of what we were doing following him. And it's the same way in your life. It's the same way in your life. I, I don't ever want us to be people that think that we're better than others and we're stronger than others and we made it happen. You know, it's like, I made it happen. I made it happen. Well, if you made it happen, then you've got to sustain it and you've got to keep it up and you've got to keep making it happen. If God made it happen, then you can lean into God and God will keep it up and God will keep making it happen and God will just use your obedience to further the cause. So we don't want to be people who, well, I made it happen. I did it. No, I obeyed God. And God did it. And he did it through me because I was obedient to him. I wonder what the church could look like or what even Paris, Texas or the surrounding areas could look like if we took God's word and we applied it to our lives and we practiced humility and we valued each other above ourselves and we looked out for the interests of each other and not just our own interests. And I want us to, to be people who are willing to set aside our selfishness and treat others with respect and value other people above ourselves. That when we see someone, we don't look down on someone, but no, we see an opportunity. How can, I, how can I help them? How can I minister to them? How can I put their need before my need? Come on, this is, this is a great opportunity for all the married couples in the room to say amen. <laughs> like, because this is, what a, this is what a godly marriage is. It's me putting you before me, and you putting me before you, and we're doing this life together. This is what, the way God created it to work in all of our relationships. And then he goes on, the next four verses, starting in verse 5, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Paul tells us, he says, that we need to follow Jesus' example. And what Jesus did, you need to have the same mindset, you need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Well, what was the attitude that Jesus had? He did not see his position and what, who he was as an opportunity to take advantage of the people around him to get what he wanted to accomplish. He was about the other people around him. He was about bringing people on. I mean, how many times do you read in the Bible where, where you know, especially in the Gospels where Jesus had his disciples together and, and they missed something or they were complaining about something or they were talking, you know, like they missed the whole point. And Jesus is like, here we go again. Like, we're gonna, I'm going to teach it to you one more time. Like, do you not understand it yet? We're going to have to figure this thing out. His disciples are pulling him aside like, hmm, Jesus, what you were teaching, that was really, really good. But can you explain that? Like, we don't know exactly what you were even talking about. Like, Jesus didn't use his position and his power and equality with God as an opportunity to take advantage of the people around him. And we need to be the same way. That, I mean, how many of you can think of somebody right now that maybe somebody you've, you've, you've been around, maybe somebody that you've known, and you're like, man, it just seems like they have used their power to get them where they want to be going, but they don't really care about the people around them. 
And maybe you've even been in that place before where it's like, man, there was a time when it was all about me and how I can get from A to Z and everybody else was just somebody that was helping me get there. And Paul would say, that's, that's, not, that's not the example that Jesus left us. No, we need to be more about the people around us and loving them and caring for them and honoring them and thinking of them more than we even think about ourselves. We're not called to use our power to our advantage to take advantage of others. It's not how Christians are called to live. And Jesus even spoke with his disciples about something similar. This is from Matthew 20, and I want to read this to you. It'll be on the screen. It says, Jesus called them together, and this is what he said. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. In other words, he's telling his disciples, he says, you've seen this happen. You know, like he, he says, you know that this happens. You've seen it. The people that are even oppressing you, you've seen how they use their power to their advantage, and they press people down to get where they want to go. You've seen it happen. But look at what he says in the next verse. He says, not so with you. Can we just all say that out loud? Everybody, here we go. One, two, three. Not so with you. He says, you have seen this take place, but this is not the way that my followers do it. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus set an example for us to not use power to our advantage or for selfish ambition, but to humble ourselves and become a servant to others. Amen. Become a servant to others. When was the last time you served somebody? Jesus says, if you want to be great, be a servant. You want to be first, be a servant. Be somebody who serves other people. And then he said, this is even, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve all of you. Even to the point of laying my life down to die for you. And so you need to follow my example. And you need to be a servant to other people. And maybe, you know, there's lots of different categories, if we could say that, of people maybe in the room. Maybe you've You've never served before, but you've been considering serving. You're like, I don't know. Like, I see all these people serving, and they talk about serving a lot. Or maybe you used to serve, and you kind of stepped out of serving for a while. And, and, and here's what I think. There, there's nothing greater. There's nothing great. There's nothing more for fulfilling than serving people. Because it's what you were created for, to serve the people around you. Jesus said, follow my example. Serve. Serve me by serving people. Serve me by serving people. And there are so many people, even right now, there were people when you walked through the doors this morning, they were greeting you and people saying hi and people that, that got here early this morning to make coffee. Come on, is anybody thankful for the caffeine and sugar when you walk in the door, right? I mean, they're, getting all, they're picking that stuff up and they're getting it prepared and they're making the coffee so that when you come in and you're half asleep, right? We don't want you half asleep in the first worship song. So you're standing here with your coffee in your hand and you're trying to get that caffeine in your body so that you can wake up. Somebody did that. Somebody gave their time. Somebody gave some effort. Somebody behind the scenes was praying for you. There's people right now behind the scenes praying for you during this service. What, what has God given you to do that you can do? And there are a lot of opportunities for you to serve. And I would just ask you, is now the time? Come on, is now the time for you to, okay, I'm going to stop kicking it around and I'm going to jump in. Like, 
I've taken a break for a little bit, but I know it's time for me to get back in. It's time for me to begin serving people. Using what I've been given to serve others well. There's no better time than now to get on a team, begin serving other people. And serving is one way we become more like Jesus. Serving is one way we become more like Jesus. When you serve, you become more like Jesus. Because you're serving the people around you. He goes on verses 9 through 11. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we, we quote this a lot, don't we? That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, because of Jesus' willingness to serve and to lay down his life in obedience to his heavenly Father, the Bible says that he was exalted, that his heavenly Father exalted him and, and gave him the name above every name. And that at that name, everything would bow. Every person, everything, that every tongue would confess. I heard somebody say it this way one time. Said that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. We just get to decide if we're going to willingly bow and confess him as Lord and Savior. Or one day, you will. It's going to happen. It, like, is anybody in here, like, in case you didn't know, you are in every. Every includes you. That this will happen. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess, but... You get to decide, like, no, I, like I'm going to choose. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. I'm going I'm to submit my will to his will, and I'm going to be a part of what he's doing on the earth and not live for myself. His heavenly Father exalted him and, and gave him the name above every name, and I don't know if you know this or not, but God honors humility. Amen. He does. He honors humility. Peter would, would later write about how God honors humility in our own lives as his followers, 1 Peter 5, 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. That he may lift you up in due time. We know this. We could read this verse, but we're not going for the sake of time. But we know that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, which in my mind, I see it as we have two options. For me, I can exalt myself and be humbled by God. Or I can humble myself and allow God to exalt me at the right time. For God to lift me up at the right time. For God to put me in, in spaces and opportunities and open doors and all of these things at the right time. Or I can try to do it myself. And we live in a culture. We live in a culture that I've got to exalt myself. I've got to tell you everything that I can do. I've got to make myself look good. I've got to make you want me. I'm going to exalt myself. And, and really, that... I mean, if we're just being honest, that leads to pride. Look at me, 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 look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I can do. Look at how you need me. You know, like all these things. And I'm not saying don't put your best foot forward, but I'm saying there's a fine line between being proud and being humble. And when we're proud, God opposes the proud. I don't want to be in opposition to God. I don't know about you. Maybe you're okay with that. I don't want to be in opposition to God. I want His grace in my life. I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to allow him to push me forward. Come on, that's, it's, it's this picture of when we humble ourselves, then God is able to push us forward and he can lift us up at the right time and he can give us the right opportunities and his timing is always perfect. God honors humility. 
I love verses 10 and 11 where it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to him, Lord. And we, we just started singing this song. It's a pretty new song. We sang it last week. It says, Jesus is my healer. And the bridge of that song says everything bows at his name. Everything bows at his name. Sickness, darkness, chains break at the name of Jesus. Everything bows at his name. Everything bows at his name. Can I tell you today that, that whatever you're facing, whatever's going on in your body, did you know that it has to bow to the name of Jesus? Do you know that whatever, like whatever it is that you're struggling with, come on, anxiety, depression, sickness, disease, mental illness, like it, it all has to bow to the name of Jesus. But here's what I think, okay, I'm not saying this is a, I'm not saying this is a fix-all, but here's what I think is the problem. We'll say this sometimes, many times, most of the time, <laughs> is instead of surrendering and laying down whatever it is at the feet of Jesus, we hold on to it. And so everything bows to everything bows at the name of Jesus. Everything. Everything. Every sickness, every disease. But sometimes we hold on to unforgiveness. Sometimes we hold on to bitterness. Sometimes we hold on to, listen, we hold on to what happened to us when we were five. And and here's the and here's the deal. God, He He wants to heal your heart. And he wants you to know today, listen, he wants you to know today that everything, what you've been facing for so long, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. So don't stop believing. And don't lose faith. And don't give up on whatever it is. Come on, don't stop asking for whatever it is that you're believing God for. Now's not the time to quit. Now's the time to get bold. Now's the time to rise up. Now's the time to have faith. Now's the time to believe again. Now's the time to dream again. Now's the time to ask again. The, the name of Jesus is above it all. It's above it all. Everything's under it. And sometimes we elevate what's going on in our lives above him. But it's not above him. Everything bows at his name. Verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Have you ever heard verse 12 quoted before? I think we like to quote it a lot. I heard it even quoted some growing up. To work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. And to completely understand this, to truly get the point of what Paul is saying, uh, we have to look at the wording of this statement because sometimes I think we get confused. And we say this a lot here, but this, this verse, here's what it does not say. Work for your salvation. It does not say that. It does not say earn it. It does not say work for it. It does not say you got to do all the right things. It does not say work for your salvation. It says work out Amen. your salvation. One commentator said it this way. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But what we do with that salvation once we receive it is another matter. Paul encourages the church in Philippi to develop the salvation that has been deposited within them. Can I just lovingly tell you this morning what, what is a struggle for us a lot as humans? 
is we, we love the idea of free gift of salvation. We don't love the idea of developing the salvation that we've received. So we want to be saved, but we don't want to develop. And sometimes we are praying for things. And maybe this has been, you're praying for things that if God gave it to you, your character could not sustain it and it would become a burden to you instead of a blessing to you. And God says, I want you to have that. Well, we got to develop some stuff. I want you to have that in your life and I've got it for you. But you've got to develop You've got to, come on, you've got to make a commitment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor God's house. I'm going to be in a group. I'm going to be around other people and I'm going to serve together. I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to do the things that God's called me to do to live out my calling and fulfill my purpose and all of these things because I'm developing. I'm developing. Anybody remember the, I don't know why this just came to me, but anybody remember when you, you, know, when you used to have to develop your pictures? anybody <laughs> and it was this process you know and I don't even know the extent of that process but it's like you had to take uh, you had to take a picture I had somebody we were at uh, we were at a conference in July it's a pastor's conference and we were there and we were outside and we were on break and we were talking and this guy walked up to me and he said hey can you take my picture right here in front of this sign there was a sign out in front of the main entrance he said hey can you take my picture in front of this sign I said yes and he handed me a camera I'm talking like one of those that you used to, listen, that you used to buy and you, like, to get to the next, to take the next picture, you had to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it had that little, I don't even know what you call it, little wheel on it, and you had to, like, go over to the next picture, and it moved over to, like, 21, you know? And then you took the picture, and then you had to do it again to go to the next picture, and I thought, what is this? You know, like, I don't know, but there, like, there was a time, and I'm thinking, we could... In that time, you could take all the pictures you wanted, but if you didn't go through the right process of having them developed, you never received what you thought you were going to receive and why you were taking the picture in the first place. I'm taking this picture because I want this picture to be with me so that I can have an album and I can remember these moments, but if I don't develop it, I don't ever receive it. And some of us, are just, some of us just need to make one shift. We need to start developing. We've received salvation it's a free gift by grace through faith. We've received it, but we haven't developed anything. And, and salvation is not about, it's really not this get out of hell free card. It's something that God wants to do in your life. I mean, there's instances in scripture where it's like, and they were being saved. They were being saved. They were being transformed. They were being, like, there was something happening. It wasn't a one-time decision and, well, I'm done. No, like God's doing something in my life. It needs to be developed. I need to work it out. Work it out. He says we're instructed to do this with fear and trembling. And just talk about this for a moment. The Greek word for fear here, it's a word that can also mean reverence or respect. And Amanda, she brought a word on this. It's been a few months ago. On the fear of the Lord. And the importance of the fear of the Lord. And it's not, it's a different kind of fear than what we're used to. Like we think of fear, like I'm afraid of falling. Or I have a fear that I'm going to mess up. Or I have a fear of whatever. And here's how I picture it in my mind. It's that I, 
I have respect and I have reverence for God in my life. And so it affects what I say and it affects what I do and it affects where I go and it affects who I am around. And it like it affects every year of my life because every year of my life I have this deep respect and reverence for God. And it's this, uh, if we could say it this way, it's not a fear of what people are thinking about me or a fear of missing out or anything. That, it's a fear of I don't want to be without God. I don't want, like, I, I want God's presence. I want God's blessing. I want God's favor. I want everything that God has for me, and I don't want to miss any of that. I, I wrote it down this way. We don't need FOMO. Everybody know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. We need a fear of missing him. Amen. Too many of us are fearful of missing out. Oh, you know, if I really give my life to Jesus, what am I going to miss out on? I'm gonna, it's going to cost me this. I'm going to have to do this or whatever. We're afraid we're going to miss out. We're afraid our kids are going to miss out. We're afraid of, no, your kids don't need you to be afraid of them missing out. Your kids need to see that you have a fear of the Lord in your life and that you reverence and you respect God and you're going to lead them in that direction. That's what your kids need to see. Amen. We don't need a fear of missing out. We need a fear of missing him. Like, I don't, want to, I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss what he's doing in my life. I want everything that he has for me. We could say it this way, that to fear God means to take God seriously and honor him in our decisions to bring him glory. And our ability to work out our salvation comes from the fact that God is working in us to fulfill his purpose. God gives us the desire and the ability to obey. And we'll go on to the next few verses, but I don't know if y'all are ready for verse 14. Come on, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Say, I'm ready. ready. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I'm going to read that again. We're going through all of chapter 2. I could preach a 45-minute message on verse 14. Do everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Come on, even the people that don't want to say everything. Why we got to participate in church? You got me talking in here. I just want to listen to you talk. Everybody say everything. everything. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. How are you going to shine among them like stars in the sky? When you do everything without grumbling or arguing. In other words, do this so that you'll be seen this way. And you're going to be a light for Jesus. As you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's talk about grumbling and arguing. Or grumbling and complaining. Whatever, however you want to word it. Whatever your translation says. Anyone ever grumbled? <laughs> there you are grumbling right now because you came to church and... anybody ever obeyed but grumbled while you obeyed anybody ever felt like the lord was calling you to do something you're like oh, you know like you're in the midst of doing it and you're like you know we like to grumble to other people paul's talking about humility and talking about unity and all these things and we like to grumble to other people it says do everything without grumbling or arguing and right after paul talks about god working in us to have the desire and the ability to obey him fulfill his purpose 
He says we need to do everything without grumbling and arguing. We need to serve without grumbling and arguing, sacrifice without grumbling and arguing, be obedient to the Lord without grumbling or arguing, be a light for Jesus at your workplace without grumbling or arguing. But it's a struggle. It's a tension. It's a, I'm not getting my way. So what do I have a tendency to do? Grumble. Argue. And Paul would say, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Then you will shine. Whenever you're, whenever you're obedient to God with a happy heart, whenever you're following the call of God on your life with gladness and joy, and then in verse 17, I think that Paul is making the point that in everything that we do, every act of obedience, every sacrifice we make, every time we serve, that we're going to be glad and we're going to rejoice. He says there, he says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Anybody ever felt like you were being poured out? Do you see the wording of what Paul is saying? He says, even if I have been poured out, like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Even if I have to serve a little extra, I got joy in my heart. Even if it doesn't turn out the way that I thought it would, I've got joy in my heart. Even if it's a little overwhelming in this season, I've got joy in my heart. Even if it's a sacrifice for me to do what I'm doing, I will be glad and rejoice. I will be glad and rejoice. Why? Because God has decided to use me. Sometimes we pray for God to use us, and then when he uses us, we feel used. <laughs> Do I need to say that again? <laughs> I have to quote that to myself sometimes. Sometimes we pray for God to use us, and then when he uses us, we complain because we're being used. And I think sometimes God's like, do you want to be used or do you want to be comfortable? Because you can't have both a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? Is this, is this too honest? Some of you are like, don't make eye contact with the pastor right now. <laughs> have you ever done that before? You prayed, God, I want you to use me. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. God, just use me. And then when God started using you, you're like, God, I feel used. And God's like, that's what you prayed for, is that I would use you. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say it was always going to be comfortable. But I will use you. I'll use you to reach people. I'll use you to minister to people. I'll use you to be a light in your workplace. It may not be easy. It may not be comfortable, but let me use you. Let me use you. Even if it's a sacrifice, I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice. If it's overwhelming sometimes, I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice. I have joy because I get to serve God. I have joy because I get to serve people. I have joy even when my serving is a sacrifice. Because serving is making me more like Jesus. So I'm going to rejoice and be glad. 
Come on, some of us, we need to put that, you just need to go home this week, you need to type that out on a little strip of paper, and you need to put that on your mirror, and every morning when you get up, be like, serving is making me more like Jesus, so I will be glad and rejoice. Serving is making me more like Jesus, so I'm going to be glad and rejoice. Serving is making me more like Jesus, so I'm going to be glad and rejoice. God is using me to serve his people, and so I'm going to be glad, and I'm going to rejoice. Paul said, even if it's a sac- even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, even if it's a sacrifice, I will be glad and I'll rejoice. This is what God's called me to do. Verses 19 through 24, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive this news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Anybody got anybody in your life that shows genuine concern? For your welfare. You need some you need some people. Can I just let you know a little secret? One person, just just you, even if you just got one person, you're like God send one person in my life. Put me in community with one person in my life who genuinely cares for my welfare and my well being. But when you pray that, God may ask you to take a step. When you pray that, God may say, step on that team. Because there's somebody on that team that I've been wanting to use in your life, but you won't get on that team. And you're praying for me to send, you're praying for this in your life, but do you really want it? You're praying for this in your life, but are you willing, are you willing to set aside two hours on a Tuesday night and get in a room with 12 other people and allow God to use somebody or all of them in your life to care for you. I think, I think we all want it, but sometimes we're not willing to seek it out. We want it, but we want it to come to us instead of seeking it out. Instead of taking a step and being obedient. What is it that God's calling me to do so that I can get that in my life? And I'm going to take that step. He goes on, he says, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. What would it look like in your life? For you to be about the interest of Jesus instead of your own interests. In verse 21, I, that gets me every time I read that. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. May we not be people who just look out for our own interests. But that we're about the things that God is about. That we're interested in the things that Jesus is about. The people in our lives, the people around us. That, that Jesus is trying to get us to minister to or to reach out to. May we be about the things that God is about and not just the things that we're about. Not just our own comfort, not our own complacency, but that we're going to be about the things that Jesus is about. Worship team, you can come help me. And then chapter 2 ends this way. It says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. And I just want to pause here and take a moment to say, if you're looking for a baby name, that might be a great opportunity for you to, you might want to write that one down. 
For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare my, me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. I want you to stand to your feet, if you will, this afternoon. The title of the message today was Joy in Serving. That even if, I, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, I have joy in serving. Even if it's overwhelming, sometimes I have joy in serving. Because it's what God's called me to do. And I want to be about the things that God has called me to do. I want to use what he's gifted me with to serve the people around me. As followers of Jesus, we're called to serve. To serve God and serve one another. And I believe Jesus desires for us to have the perspective to say, I have joy because I get to serve God, even if it doesn't turn out the way I thought it would. I have joy because I get to serve God, even if it doesn't turn out the way that I thought it would in this situation. I have joy because I get to serve people, even if it's a little overwhelming in this season. Have you ever been serving people and it got overwhelming? I don't know if you know this about people, but you are one. And people are needy. That's, that's why we're called to come alongside one another and carry one another's burdens and love one another. And as the Bible would say, like use what you've been gifted with to serve one another well. It's because we need each other. We really do need each other. I said this one time before, I'll make this statement again. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian in the Bible. It was about community. It was about the whole. It was about the people joining together to do what God called them to do and moving the message forward and moving the gospel forward and moving the church forward. I pray we'd have the perspective to say, I have joy even when my serving is a sacrifice, even if I have to serve a little extra, even if I have to sacrifice, it's a sacrifice for me to do what I'm doing Serving is making me more like Jesus, so I will be glad and rejoice. You can have, listen, I get it, I get it. Serving sometimes is overwhelming, and it seems like a lot. And we don't have, we've crammed our schedule so full of things that we don't think we have time to do it. But can I just tell you, you're missing out on one of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. And he does it through serving we become jesus said i didn't come to be served i came to serve if you want to be great serve if you want to be first serve if you want to be fulfilled serve and i would even say if you want to have joy in your life learn to serve learn to serve because you can have joy in your serving you can have joy in your serving will you bow your heads and close your eyes our prayer team can come down I just want to invite you, I want to pray for you, but I want to invite you to just ask this question. 
Maybe you would just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? As we've gone through His Word today, what are you saying to me right now? What do I need to do? What step do I need to take? What shift do I need to make in my life? What perspective maybe needs to be shifted in my mind so that I can truly say, I will rejoice, I will be glad because I get to serve God. I get to serve Him. I get to be a part of His plan on the earth. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us. And we thank you. We thank you for those those promptings that you give us. We thank you for how sometimes you, you convict our hearts a little bit or maybe something that needs to change or something that needs to shift or how you want us to see a situation instead of how we've been seeing the situation. And Lord, I pray right now that you would do that even in this moment. And as we sing this song together and we lift our voices and we lift our hands and we worship you, I just pray that if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything, that pride would not get in the way. We all need prayer from time to time. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here who needs prayer for anything in their life or something that they need to lay down, even at the feet of Jesus, I've been holding on to this and today I need to lay it down. I need to lay it down. Lord, I pray that today they would do that. And so Holy Spirit, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life. In Jesus' name, 